Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. This episode is brought to you by Aries Academy. Aries Academy is the most complete sports vision at-home training program in the country. Aries Academy was developed for athletes by optometrists by combining traditional tried and true vision therapy techniques with the most cutting edge sports vision programs in the market. Aries Academy has many different programs for all types of athletes to develop their visual and neurocognitive systems. Head to www.ariesacademy.com for their one week free program if you're interested in learning more about what sports vision training is all about. Welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. For today's episode, we're going to be joined by a very exciting guest who has a very interesting journey. And it's going to be a little bit of a different episode because we're having someone on who's really going to be talking from a patient perspective, someone who has a history of strabismus and has really been through the gamut of treatments. And if you've listened to any of our past strabismus episodes, you know there's not one clear-cut treatment approach when it comes to strabismus. There's a lot of options and a lot of doctors have their own go-to options so patients can be presented sometimes with conflicting information and have a lot of information thrown at them that sometimes doesn't always match up between providers. Uh, So I'm really interested to have her on and listen to her journey through strabismus and where she is now. Before we are joined by our guest, Dr. Zolnicki is going to kick off our weekly insight. Yeah, so for our weekly insight, we're just going to give you guys a rundown of what uh, the next few weeks are going to look like. As you guys know, I am pregnant, so I will be expecting the baby. I have uh, just a few weeks left. Um, so w- kind of like Russian roulette, we don't know when the baby is coming. So what our plan is, is that we are going to have our episodes up and through the week of Christmas. Um, and then we're going to take a little one week break off. And then we will restart in the new year with continuing our case series, because we are really loving it. And the feedback we're getting from our listeners is that they love hearing different doctors talk about their cases and what they've learned and how they present. Uh, so we're going to keep this going for a little bit into the new year until I'm back from maternity and we can really delve into deeper subjects. And so we're super excited to keep the podcast going. We are loving doing this for you guys and we can't believe we're going into our third season. So thank you as always for listening. We hope you're enjoying the cases as much as we are. I know it's super fun for Dr. Z and I to switch it up and really get to learn from our colleagues and hear really interesting stories of how they treat their patients. So today's guest is Melissa Daniels. She is a 35-year-old math teacher turned vision enthusiast. She was born with severe esotropia and had three surgeries as a young child that resulted in a slight exotropia that worsened after 10 years. After having four babies, her vision degraded to the point that it was interfering with normal daily tasks, and she sought out help and eventually found vision therapy. Over the last three years, she has tried patching, vision therapy, a fourth surgery, and even dabbled in some Bates Method vision relaxation. Through all of this, she has gone from completely suppressing one eye, zero depth perception, tunnel vision, and a severe eye turn to an expansive peripheral view, mostly straight eyes, and depth perception. She is passionate about spreading awareness about binocular vision to the adult strabismus community and is working to bridge the disconnect between strabismus surgery and vision therapy professionals. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Dr. Z and I are so excited to have you on today and to discuss really your journey with your eyes. So to kick things off, just tell us a little bit about your background with your vision and how your journey began when, and how old you were when you first started to receive care for your eyes. 
Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Um, so my mom realized that her, she had a friend tell her when I was just a tiny baby, they said, your daughter's eyes are not right. You should take her to an ophthalmologist. And she was like, no, she's just cute and cross-eyed. But that kind of began the, you know, search for a good ophthalmologist where they live. Their vision therapy wasn't really a thing 30 years ago where they were at. And so I ended up having three surgeries as a kid. My eyes were pretty straight when I was little. And then after I had kids later in life and my eyes just like stopped working, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was a ton of problems besides like the, you know, looking at someone and they'd look behind them sometimes, but I really like didn't notice huge problems with my vision. I guess I didn't realize it. Now I look back and I realize there were things that I struggled with and I'm like, oh, that was my vision. That was because my eyes weren't working when I couldn't keep up with reading and I couldn't you know, the music lessons were super hard to read music, but I didn't really feel like my vision was a problem until I was like 32 or so, 31, a couple years ago. And I just, I, I was taking babysitter home one night and all of a sudden, like, I thought there was like a car in my lane and I like went off the road and it was so scary. Like, and I didn't like crash. I like went off and then I came back on, but it was like, what was that? And I'm like, there is something wrong with my eyes. And I'd been to optometrists and they'd said, your eyes are fine. And I'm like, no, there's something wrong with my eyes. Like, and I didn't know what it was. And so I just, for after that incident, I was like, no, there's something wrong. And I'm going to keep going until I figure out what it is and I'm going to fix it. And so that was the beginning. <laughs> and it just like one thing led to the next, you know, the first optometrist I went to said I could try patching. And so I started doing that and, and it was the worst. I hated it so much. And, and I started like looking for alternatives and anyways, I happened upon vision therapy and my optometrist that I go to now that does vision therapy had opened his office like two weeks earlier when I called like they, that was, and the next closest person's like hours and hours away. So it's like all just kind of happened perfectly. And so I started going there and it was like, I was so blown away at how expensive it was. I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's no way I can do that. And so I started with like going, you know, every six weeks and then it became, you know, I realized it wasn't helping making a huge difference at that point. And so then I was like, okay, every other week. And so now I've just figured it out and I go every week. I just can't not, I'm like addicted to it. So <laughs> it's been awesome. Like I, I definitely, you know, in the first like year and a half of vision therapy, I was able to like gain 3d and able to, um, if I could, my eye was super far out. So I was exotropic. And so I could bring my eyes together, but I had to like strain to hold my eyes straight. And then eventually I just was plateauing. And so I decided to have strabismus surgery and now my eye is just a little bit esotropic. And so it goes in, I think we measured it like eight diopters okay. in at distance. I think, was it 10? I can't remember just a couple of weeks ago. So still doing vision therapy. So it's been just over three years since that first appointment. And now for the listeners listening, you know, their vision therapy in a case with as, as extensive as yours from the doctor's perspective is it's not like six months and done. <laughs> it's, no. it's really a commitment from the patient's end of saying like, 
we want to work and we don't really have an end in sight, like to really be like a conversation, an ongoing conversation of, have we reached a plateau? Can we start to taper you off and make sure that, that there's no regression? Uh, when, now tell us a little bit about your optometrist that you work with and his approach to treating you initially. And then what was the determining factor to get you to go back to surgery? Because I think that's a really interesting conversation of like, you had obviously gone through about two years of vision therapy before you had done the surgery. So what was that first two years like? And then what, what was the conversation like to get you to decide to do the surgery again? Well, the biggest focus was on peripheral. It was all on the big, um, seeing bigger. I, I was like, I came in, I was like, I want to do the Brock string. I want to do these like iconic vision therapy exercises. And he's like, no, you, you know, I have anomalous retinal correspondence and you guys, I'm sure understand that way better than I do, but that presents a lot of problems for that central vision. And so it's all been about, um, peripheral work. So lots of, um, just being more aware of what's around me. And then I'm trying to think of like the tons of work with like vectograms and, you know, I'd hold them really close and just try to like see it in my peripheral Um, lots of things actually with like my eyes closed. So he'd have me tracking a pencil with my eyes open, but then also tracking it with my eyes closed. And could I, you know, feel where my eyes were at and open them up and see that pencil, just that um, feeling where my eyes are and being more in tune with like how they're moving. So lots of work like that. We did primitive reflexes. That wasn't really, a. I mean, we did it, but it wasn't like a huge stumbling thing for me. <laughs> I don't think that was like my big thing. Um, but as we were, you know, part of why we had surgery, honestly, was because I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual person and I was praying about what should I do? And I just had that thought, like surgery is going to be part of your part of your journey. And that was like probably six months before I had surgery. And I told my optometrist that he said, surgery is going to be part of this. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I'm leaving it to you to decide if and when that that needs to happen. And I'm sure he loved that pressure. But um, so I think we both kind of had that in the back of our minds. And I said, I want to get as far as I can. And hopefully that was wrong. And I was just hearing things. But if not, you know, let's, we will do that. But what happened was I just got to the point where I could bring my eyes straight on command and I could see 3d on command and it hurt, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just hurt. And like, I was so strained. I could never relax and do it because I was so focused on making my eyes straight that it was just, I couldn't hold it in that position. You know, I, I would be able to see that way for a little tiny bit or like really up close, but it just exhausted my mind and was so much effort that it just, you know, I thought maybe I could get it in 10 years. If I did vision therapy for 10 years, I would be able to do this without straining, but I just wasn't like making that progress. That was kind of the, the conversation that we had, like, okay, we can keep doing this and it's going to take a really, really long time. And if we do the surgery, it'll probably speed up the results. And so, you know, there was definitely, we had to weigh, you know, the, pros and cons and risks and like what if it makes it harder and in some ways it did <laughs> I don't know but I think it was a good thing overall right I, I think that 
um, you really have to listen to everyone who's involved in your care and listen to yourself too. And, you know, what your goals and outcomes are. And strabismus is not straightforward. There's not just one answer when it comes to how to approach a patient who has strabismus as you've learned yourself going through it. Um, I just want to speak a little bit about, you know, what has changed in your daily life going through this combined course of vision therapy, along with an additional surgery, um, as you started to gain that 3D vision and more peripheral awareness, how did that impact your day-to-day -day life? What things started to become easier that maybe, like you spoke about before, you didn't even notice beforehand you were having difficulty with? The biggest thing, hands down, is driving, especially driving at night. I mean, it is not even comparable I used to be just terrifying and I refused to drive at night because it was just scary. And I couldn't tell. It, it just was like, I just, all I could see was lights. It was like these like lights everywhere, but I couldn't like see where the road was. And now I can just, it's just, I can relax and I can see so much more of the road. I can see further down the road. I can see like off to the sides. And, and when there's an oncoming car that's lights on, it's not scary. I can, I can just drive. It's, it's not a problem. And that is just, a huge difference. Um, other things like I play tennis and pickleball and those things have definitely like, it got really bad for a year during therapy. <laughs> like, I definitely got like way worse, but now I'm getting way better. And so that's super fun too. Um, other things I'm trying to think. Reading, reading is not all the way there yet. That's pretty central. And so that's something I'm still working on, but I'm, it's going to get better. I'm going to have a great success story with that, but <laughs> I'm not there yet for reading. That was something that was a hard, hard reading music actually though, with like my, my ability to expand what I'm seeing instead of seeing something really small, I can see more at the same time. And that really helps when I'm like sight reading piano music and I can see more than one line at a time and kind of anticipate what both hands are doing. So that has definitely helped. Um, definitely like, I enjoy not having a lazy eye. I mean, I know that's, that's not the real word. I enjoy not having an eye turn. It's, yeah. It's well, like you said, because you, you could prior to your surgery, right. You were able to pull it in, but you had to work really hard at it. So say you were having a conversation with somebody you just met, right. You were probably like, whoop, let me bring my eye in. But then you were spending so much time and energy keeping that eye in you probably actually weren't listening to what the other person exactly. was saying <laughs> that is true. and before before vision therapy I couldn't control my eye at all like okay. before I started three years ago my right eye was out a hundred percent of the time and I could not switch eyes I couldn't alternate between my left and my right eye I couldn't really see very well out of that right eye like even though I could, I think it was like 2030 in the eye. I, I just couldn't, I still couldn't see. It was like blurry and yucky and so different. Now I can switch between my eyes. I can make it both eyes. I, you know, and so even before surgery, learning how to straighten my eye was a huge deal for me because for a picture, you know, we go do family pictures and I could make my eyes straight for the picture, which was it's just nice. Like it's vain, but so no, it's not vain. It's not, <laughs> it's, you know, yes. we, no, no, but we, yeah, no, we don't talk, you know, everyone, we, we talk a lot about this um, as doctors, right? Like, you know, we work, you know, we obviously are a big proponent for vision therapy, but there are some limitations to how much a person can compensate for. And you also need to listen to the patient. If cosmesis is important to them, then surgery may be in the pipeline because it, it does fix things relatively quickly. And, you know, and, and we always say we'll do pre 
surgical vision therapy and then post-surgical vision therapy. And I think that's the best way to approach strabismus when surgery is involved so that we can teach the system how to work together. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your experience post-surgery and what that's been like, because I think that's really interesting to, you know, where you double when you first woke up again, like tell us uh, all of those things. So it was just the, when I first woke up, I, it was too blurry. I couldn't really tell. I just was so confused, just visual confusion. Um, my eye, he, he overcorrected it just because usually with exotropia, it'll go back out. But I think because I was doing vision therapy, my eyes didn't respond the same way that most people's eyes do. And because I was so used to bringing my eye in, as soon as my eyes were more straight, I kept bringing it in and I crossed it in even further. And so my eye was in like 25 degrees. So I'd started out at 35 and then it came into 25 after the surgery. And so I was having insane double vision. It wasn't just like looking at a pencil and seeing two pencils and one background. It was two backgrounds, like two whole worlds, like two rooms instead of, it was like my peripheral was double as well. It was pretty bad. I was very nauseous. It was like hard to walk straight. And like, it was just, I was a mess. I like laid in bed with like ice packs on my eyes for a couple of days and cried a lot and was thought I maybe ruined my whole life. <laughs> but um, he, my surgeon did do adjustable sutures. And so I went back in like a week later and he adjusted the sutures and made it so that I was more like, I think 13 to 15 ish in, which was still a lot, but it made it so that the, the background wasn't doubled anymore. It was just the central and you know, my eyes were just really sore. I feel like I felt like I couldn't move them and I had no eye control for a little while. But after I think about six to eight weeks, um, we started vision therapy back up pretty quickly within I think three weeks we were starting back up and that was probably earlier than we needed to, but I was so anxious about it that I was like, I have to, and he's like, you really need to wait and heal. But I kind of pushed it, but um, <clears throat> we started doing vivid vision pretty quickly after surgery because I'd heard from a few people that vivid vision made a really big difference for their esotropia. And I hadn't tried it yet. And my optometrist didn't do vision, th vivid vision at that time. So I just kind of pushed for it and ended up doing it through a different clinic in Maryland. I think it was Maryland Vision Therapy. I can't remember. Anyways, and then my optometrist ended up start becoming a provider for vivid vision. And that made a huge difference. Really just like locked it in. The double vision started going away. Um, I was able to, it, it, the, the turn wasn't so bad and I was just getting more 3D. I actually was able to see like the, the is it litmus fly. Is that what it's called? Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. the, the stereo test or whatever with the fly and the wings. First time in my life I ever saw that with the wings actually floating was after surgery. And so things started coming as we did like the vivid vision. And then this last winter, we started doing some work with prisms where we started with a, pris a Fresnel prism on my glasses. It was like 10. And then we would, you know, do the VTS4 stereopsis ring. I'm, you guys know what I can say all this, right? Because you guys are optometrists and you know exactly what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> And so then we would see if I could do it at a distance of like, you know, eight, 10 feet. And then if I could get back up to those good ranges, then he would decrease the prism. And then I'd work for a few weeks and, and it was going super well. And I was down to, I think a four and 
and then all of a sudden it just like it stopped and I plateaued <laughs> like all of a sudden my right eye decided it didn't like a Fresnel prism and it like started suppressing again and anyways so we recently stopped that plan and we're starting a new plan <laughs> trying to because the thing is like up close within a few feet I'm getting I'm able to do most exercises and I'm getting great 3D but I'm really wanting to expand it into like that, those further ranges. And so we're just trying different stuff to see if we can make that happen. Right, and I think that really speaks to what a lot of other adult patients with strabismus experience through similar paths like yours is that there's not just one answer. And, you know, especially in vision therapy, it's not always a straight trajectory of just improvement, improvement, improvement. There are dips and valleys and sometimes plateaus and you have to just change course and try something new to challenge your brain to try to continue to make changes. This episode is brought to you by Aries Academy. Aries Academy is the most complete sports vision at-home training program in the country. Aries Academy was developed for athletes by optometrists by combining traditional tried and true vision therapy techniques with the most cutting edge sports vision programs in the market. Aries Academy has many different programs for all types of athletes to develop their visual and neurocognitive systems. Head to www.ariesacademy.com for their one week free program if you're interested in learning more about what sports vision training is all about. And I know you've been doing a lot of work to really share your journey and your story and really sharing your whole experience on social media to help bring this awareness that there are other options out there and there are other things that you can do for strabismus beyond surgery. Um, so just speak a little bit about what you share on your social media and what you want other people that are experiencing similar things to you. What advice would you give them? I think the biggest thing I would say and, and what I'm trying to help people understand is that there are options. So many adults with strabismus don't even know that surgery is an option, let alone vision therapy. And so they just kind of get stuck in this like depression about the way that their eyes look and feeling like they can't get a job or they can't get married. And it's so sad to me and just empowering people that there are choices to be made. And, you know, whether you want to do vision therapy and go for 3D and stereopsis or go for surgery, like, either way, like doing something like you can make those steps and just kind of informing people what the options are. I think one thing I had no idea about is that, that my eyes didn't work together. I thought they did. I, just, I had no idea that my eyes were working independently of each other. And that's crazy to me that I didn't understand that now where how far I've come, I had no concept of how my eyes worked. And I think that 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 is something that I want to help people understand is how your eyes work and why surgery isn't lasting and why vision therapy is hard or whatever, whatever it is, and just be a support for people and help them. I, I really like on my website, I just take questions that I've have, have had or have currently, and then I research them like crazy. And then I write an article because there's nothing really out there for people like me that's not coming from an ophthalmologist or an optometrist. And so just being that patient, like unbiased perspective is really what I'm trying to be on social media or on my website or wherever, because I think, I don't know what it is with adults with strabismus, they have a hard time trusting. <laughs> yeah, I think your platform, and I will link all of the strabismus to stereopsis, um, <laughs> Instagram handle and your website as well for our, for our listeners so they can follow you. But I think you hit the nail on the head that 
when you have an eye turn or something going on with your visual system and you do a quick Google search, you see the perspective from the doctor's point of view, right? Lots of information, but there's not a lot of patient information out there and their experience. So I think your voice is so needed in the community because it really speaks to, okay, yeah, this journey is hard. This journey is not simple, but there are options. And by being your own advocate and saying like, no, I want more for my life, more for my eyes, more for my vision. And there, this is what I've done and what I've learned and sharing it with the world is so incredibly important because it, it does give those people the resource and coming from a patient's perspective. And this is really why we wanted to have you on was to talk to and make the point of it's not easy and it's been hard and it's been We've been up and down in every which way, but at the end of the day, you've had success. To think about where you've come in just three years is so amazing. And I, I your your story is just so special. So we we really want to encourage all of our listeners to share your story, share your social media, share your website, even the optometrist, share it with your patients. Use it as a resource because you know, I, and I'm sure you're open to this, Melissa, that you would love to have a talk with patients and connect with patients that may have questions for you. Uh, so we really super appreciate you coming on. Is there any last final words that you want to say to our listeners or anybody that has true business that's suffering? I just think it's so important to know that even if it's hard, it's so worth it. Like the amount of personal growth I've had in the last three years, not just with my vision, but with who I am and reaching goals and trying to do impossible things. Like it has been the, the most amazing journey for me. And it's a thousand times worth it. Like worth every penny, like you can figure out how to pay for it and it's worth it. Like do it if you're hesitating. And for parents, don't, don't worry when the ophthalmologist tells you that vision therapy doesn't work. Just ignore that. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> because it, it does work and it's, it makes such a difference. I, I've heard people say that, you know, they'll hear from an ophthalmologist that 3D vision is just the cherry on top, but it's so much more than that. Like you can't even comprehend what the three world looks like in comparison to the regular world. Like it still takes my breath away. I just can't even believe that someone would think it's just the cherry on top because it's so much more than that. And it's such a huge, it makes such a huge difference on your life. So it's definitely worth it. If you choose to go that direction in every way, it's hard, but worth every hard part. Right. I think that's such an important message. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your perspective as a patient. I think it's so special, this journey that you've had, um, even though it is hard, but the gains that you've noticed, you know, I'm so happy that you're you have all these improvements in your life. Um, and thank you for all the awareness that you're building in the community. And thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you listeners next week. Thanks for listening. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020, and follow us on Instagram. For additional content, check out our practice, Twin Forks Optometry, on both Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.